Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Lean into the topic that God's bringing up today on finding Jesus in the in-between places of life. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's guest, Kat Armstrong, was born in Houston, Texas, where the humidity ruins her curls. She's a powerful Mexi-German Bible teacher and author of two books, No More Holding Back and The In-Between Place. As the co-founder of The Polish Network, an outreach to working women navigating career and exploring faith, she's invested in the lives of women, eager to learn more about how the scriptures are relevant to their everyday lives. She has a master's degree from the Dallas Seminary, and she's starting her doctorate in New Testament context next year in 2022. She and her husband, Aaron, have been married for 18 years, and they live in Dallas, Texas with their son, and they attend Dallas Bible Church, where Aaron serves as the lead pastor. Guys, this conversation with Kat was both vulnerable and relevant, so I want you to lean in to this rich conversation as we welcome Kat to the show. Well, hello, Kat, and welcome to the show. Rachel, this is so fun because I want to be, I mean, friends in real life because we live in the same city. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I love whenever, sometimes when I um, have some of you on the show that are local to me, I'm like, we should have just done this in person. (laughs) Um, So we're going to have to do that. We were just talking before we got on here. We're like, okay, we live too close not to meet in real life. So we're going to for sure make that happen. In fact, I wish you guys could see her shirt says Texas forever. I love that (laughs) way to represent. Were you born and raised here in Texas then? Yes, true Houstonian. Um, where the, the humidity ruins my curls, but I lived in Dallas for 18 years. Okay. Wow. So I am, I was brought to Texas by my husband. I actually was uh, brought up in Oklahoma and then we moved to Texas almost right after we got married and we've been here ever since. So I kind of feel like I'm starting to officially become a Texan because just last year I incorporated y'all into my everyday slang. <laughs> and when the word came out it. of my mouth, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a Texan. That's what we're going to say for that. Um, okay. Anyway, enough small talk. Let's get down to business. But before we jump into what we want to talk about today, I love to ask my guests, what's a fun fact about you that we did not read on your bio? Although side note, your bio has some fun facts in it. So thank you for doing that. So you can add in some more, add in anything else for us you want to. You know what? I just got accepted into a doctoral program at Northern Seminary. I'm going to be starting studying in New Testament context. So excited about that. So that would not be on my bio yet, but it's something that I'm really, really looking forward to. Yeah. I actually saw that on social media. That is super cool. Is that something you've always wanted to do? I think it's always been in the back of my brain. It's not a PhD, so I don't feel called to the academy, but it's, you know, taking you deeper into studying the scriptures. And I love to do that. So um, I guess, yes. Yeah. Probably. I probably couldn't articulate it until last summer. And one of the benefits of the pandemic, I mean, I hated the whole thing. 
So let's be real clear about that. But one of it, one of the benefits was that it was very refining. You know, it really focused and honed my attention. Where do I want to spend my time? So I'm starting next year in 2022. I love that. That's awesome. I love when God calls us to those things. I'm finishing up my graduate degree right now, as you know, because you and I have been trying to connect and my schedule is just crazy for the time being. And I just, that's the one word of encouragement I give whenever women ask me how I'm doing it. It's like, you know, it's just that God's called me to it. And I I am a big believer that if God's called you to something, he sends a tribe to help. I mean, I can't tell you the number of moms who helped me with school pickup. And my husband has jumped in and homeschooled our kids. I mean, it has taken an absolute village to get me through this. However, I just love that when God calls us to something, he provides all the resources that we need to do it. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, so today we're talking about your latest book, but you've written, is this your second book to write? Mm -hmm. Yep, my second one came out in January. Okay, so just a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, Okay, so your first book... Uh, which we aren't talking about, but I think it's worthy of mentioning No More Holding Back. What's that one about? And you can just do a brief, you know, little something for the ladies listening who'd want to check that one out too. Sure. Most of the book is about Mary Magdalene, this incredible woman who had suffered with demon possession and Jesus had healed her and she became one of his female disciples. And she was one of the women last at the cross, first at the tomb. She's the first person to preach the good news in the New Testament. So talk a lot about her um, in the book. And I talk about her in the book because I think a lot of women are concerned that they need to restrain their enthusiasm for Jesus in some way. I found that to be true in my own life. So I talk from a lot of personal experience in that book. And I encourage women to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, to be all in for Jesus. And it's, the book's really written for anyone who might feel like, I feel like I have more to offer the body of Christ. I sense God, you know, moving me to do something in my life, but I have some fear or some concerns. Uh, the book is designed to really help you move past those barriers and to find your worth in Christ and then to serve God wherever he's called you to serve. I love that so much. So today we're talking about your newest book that just released, The In-Between Place. I love how you highlight women in the Bible. That just gets me so into the story even more so. So tell us a little bit about this one. Yeah, I was in Israel visiting the Holy Land with a small group of women studying women in the Bible. It was just a life-changing trip. And on Mother's Day, we were real close to Gaza where bombs were going off. We were in an armored van. I remember stepping off um, the, the bus in modern day Samaria and thinking to myself, I could care less about this geographical place in the scriptures, but it happens to be in there a whole lot from Genesis to Revelation. And we were overlooking, I mean, Rachel, it was so beautiful. We're overlooking this place. And the tour guide that day said, you know, we're in modern day Samaria. This is where the woman at the well story happened. And then our teacher that day got up and said, we're going to talk about Dinah, who had a really tragic, um, traumatic experience in Genesis 34. And the teacher that day said, we're going to talk about Dinah because her story happened here, too. And I remember thinking, what, Rachel? Like, we're seeing the woman at the well from the New Testament and Dinah from the Old Testament. Both had their stories take place in this place. And so... I remember getting on the bus and thinking, I want to look up every single time in the Bible that this place 
Sikar, it's called Shechem in the Old Testament, or Sikar shows up in the New. And I just want to see how these women's stories are connected. So kind of how we started the episode today, talking about Texas. You and I both live in Texas. We both live in DFW. Um, like we could talk about restaurants, but we'd have a lot of common themes in our lives because of our geography. And we know the history of our cities. And we've been here long enough for you to start saying y'all, you know. So in the same way, in the Bible, places represent something very symbolic, very rich meaning in that because Jesus redeems all things and his story of redemption is being woven from Genesis to Revelation. And so I wanted to know more about that. So that's kind of the, you know, backgrounding of the scriptures I look at in my book. But from a personal perspective, Rachel, I had just lost my father, uh, death by suicide. And he I was actually in Israel on Mother's Day, and it had been a year. So there I was thinking about these two women and their stories and how Jesus came to this very in-between place in geography to meet them where they were in their need and how I needed Jesus to meet me in my in-between place, which was on an emotional level. Because when you lose someone, however you lose them, life just you know, people just keep going on with their lives and you kind of feel like you're at a standstill. It's a very weird phenomenon. And I think grief, uh, it comes in waves and it, it doesn't just plot along, you know, in a linear way. It's lots of ups and downs to grief. And so I sense something really special happened that day in modern day Samaria. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about grief. I learned a lot about Jesus. And I think that comes in through in the book. Mm, wow. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. I appreciate you sharing so vulnerably. Um, I love whenever a message comes from that that hard place yourself, you know, and just for letting the listeners know, hey, I'm not just preaching the Bible to you. Like I was living it too. <laughs> and then I got goosebumps when you were talking about that symbolism between the two places. And then I can't even imagine it's on my bucket list to go to Israel, like for real. I'll, I'll get there one day I, um, to see that though, in real life, that had to be really powerful. It was. I mean, they tell you the reason it's got to be a bucket list is that makes the Bible come alive. Everyone says that. And i think it's so true. You know, I didn't care about Samaria. And then when I got back from Israel and started my Bible reading plan, I thought, oh my gosh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. Kind of when you, like when you buy a car and you've never seen it on the road. And then as soon as you, like I used to drive a white RAV4 and you buy a white RAV4 and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, look at all these people who have white RAV4s living in my neighborhood didn't notice them before. And so I think it opens our eyes to new depths in the scriptures. And it also helps us in our spiritual life. There is more work that Jesus wants to do in and through us, even if we're in a really hard place in life. And so I titled the book, The In-Between Place, because I jokingly say I was in Stuckville. I was in Stuckville emotionally. And I think that Samaria represents Stuckville in the Bible a place people didn't want to go, didn't want to stay, and ask ourselves, how did I get here? Like, how am I supposed to get out of here? And I think a lot of us can relate to that in our spiritual lives, whether it's relationships or career. And I think Jesus, through the woman at the well story, shows us how he redeems 
our situation. Today's episode is brought to you by Loved and Blessed. We all experience moments of discouragement, loneliness, and anxiety. Sometimes they aren't moments and end up lasting for a season. But what if there's a community of women willing to encourage you every day so that when those tough times come, you have the support of hundreds of friends? You've heard me talk about Loved and Blessed in their monthly care packages, but did you know that they also host a free, private online community where there's daily fellowship and content that will help you stay encouraged? Check out lovedandblessed.com to learn more about their monthly membership and lovedandblessedladies.com to join their free online community. Would you say, you just said a statement there, and I'm curious if this is how you would define that in-between place as a place that you don't want to go and you don't want to stay. Is that what you would describe it as? Anything more you want to elaborate on on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it could be as simple as I took the wrong position at work and now I'm back working with a recruiter to find a new job. You know, it could also be as severe as I lost a loved one and I never thought I would be here or this could happen to me um, or losing a child. It could be as severe as that. But I think what I saw in women's stories and in my own was that we felt similar things, even though the severity level could be really different. And you start to question, how did I get here? Why am I here? How do I make the best of the situation? How do I get out of here? Why is this happening to me? So yeah, I would even go so far, Rachel, to say it's like the liminal space that people talk about where you can see where you want to go in your career, but you've got to take those first really hard steps to get there. So I think it could be as something as simple as that. I think it could be something as hard as coming off of a really hard divorce and looking to remarry. I think these are really liminal spaces. And I think in between places can make us feel hopeless potentially but I think they can be our most hope-filled spaces. I really do, because I think sometimes when we're at our most desperate, when we need Jesus the most, and nothing else will do, He shows us who He is in a really meaningful way. Mm. I'm so glad you brought up that point, because I remember when I first saw your book, and the it, it resonated with me in multiple ways. The title alone and this idea of the in-between place immediately resonated with me because I can relate to that. I feel like most people have at least one area of their life that you can resonate with this. And the in-between place is a very hard place. It can be a lonely place. It can be, like you said, a hopeless place. But then your tagline immediately put hope back in me that says where Jesus changes your story. Because isn't that the truth? I mean, we literally in those places have a decision of am I going to let him, you know, like, am I going to welcome him into this place? So let's talk a little bit how the Samaritan woman did that. Yeah. So the Samaritan woman stories in John chapter four. And so for anyone who's, you know, newer to studying the Bible, there was a man named Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose again. And I believe he's the savior of the world. Thankfully, he had friends and followers who kept really good notes and mental (laughs) notes of conversations and historical moments in Jesus's life. And we have their perspective on paper in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels in the New Testament of the Bible. 
One of them is my favorite, and I'm not shy about it. It's John. I love John's gospel and his perspective. I love the way he puts stories together. I love that the woman at the well story is a chapter after a conversation Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus, and that John wants us to, to reflect upon how different these conversations go. I love the way John like weaves together his stories. And in one of them, in the fourth chapter of his gospel, he talks about how Jesus purposely went to Samaria to have the longest recorded conversation in the book of John and in the New Testament with a nameless woman. And many times we call her the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. And this woman had been married five times and not for reasons we usually think. She wasn't like a salty mouth, scantily clad, loose woman, you know, wooing men into her bed and tiring of them and then shipping them off. That was not even possible in her um, in her society. She was a very marginalized and oppressed woman who had lived a really hard life. And after five failed relationships, for whatever reason, she was living as a concubine, which was the only way for divorced women her age to survive, like to literally just put food on the plate and to survive. So we have this woman and Jesus encounters her at a well. They have a conversation about him and his presence and what he can do in our lives. He can meet all of our needs when we feel the most depleted. And then she asks him the hottest topic of the day. So there was a big theological debate in her time about where the temple should be. And the Jews and the Samaritans were fighting over it. And they hated each other. There was religious animosity. There was ethnic animosity between the two groups. And she recognizes that Jesus is either a prophet, maybe the Messiah. So she asks him about this hotly, you know, hot topic. Um, and he answers her. He tells her that the temple should actually be in Jerusalem. And in, in doing so, he tells her she's been worshiping God wrong, which is like a huge paradigm shift for her. The crazy thing is, Rachel, she believes him. And she starts to realize she was anticipating the Messiah, so she must have been a God-fearing person and knew the history of her faith. And she puts her faith in Jesus. And then she takes her very broken self in this very in-between place and goes back to her city and shares her testimony, I guess, if you will, with the people. And they believe her enough to go and talk to Jesus themselves. And a couple days later, they put their faith in Christ. And so her testimony is really broken. It's this question, could this be the Messiah? And she has such a huge impact, even though she's in a really hard place in life. And even though her lifestyle hadn't changed, you know, she didn't like time out and go to grad school or go to seminary. She took the good news of the gospel back to the people that likely wouldn't believe her. And, you know, she didn't have a voice in her city. So that's, the woman at the well story. And I spend the whole book exploring this amazing woman. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so powerful. You're a great Bible teacher because you make things just, you paint a picture, which for me is really nice because I'm a very visual person. <laughs> so thank you for going there. You also, you said some things that even after we get off here today, I'm like, huh, I don't know if I've ever heard of it explained that way. So I love when somebody makes me look at stories that I've heard I wouldn't say a million times, but maybe a thousand times and read mm -hmm. myself many times and go make you kind of challenge the way you look at it. Cause you're right. I mainly have heard teachings that it was by choice that she was living that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like kind of yeah. that's the, the, the impression that we get often. So. 
Yeah, I definitely heard that too. I mean, I think after some research, that seems really unlikely. It totally could be a part of her story. It, it could. It's just really unlikely. What's more likely, Rachel, so women in that day and time were only valued if they were married and only valued if they could have a male heir. That's their only contribution to society. That's their only value and worth. Many times people were divorcing their spouses because their spouse was infertile and couldn't produce that heir and lost their value. And so it's very likely that she suffered with infertility. It's also very likely that she had been widowed so that her five marriages weren't necessarily five divorces. They could have been all sorts of different legal ramifications for someone um, not wanting to be married to her anymore. But irregardless, you know, I mean, whether she was infertile or a widow or multiple times over or a combination or both, or she was an adulterer, I think the adulterer narrative, it doesn't have any validity in the text. Like, we don't see anything in the scriptures that confirm that. They also don't deny it. So it could be a possibility. I think what's more likely is she has lived a really hard life and now she's older in age. So she can't bear children, likely. She's been cast aside or left or been widowed multiple times. And the only place she can find refuge is by living as a concubine, which was a really popular option um, for women who didn't have a male to support them. The other thing I learned about New Eastern, you know, culture and history is that women couldn't get divorced without a male advocate who would go to court on their behalf. So they, could, they couldn't go to court themselves. So it's just really unlikely that she was a serial adulterer without money or fame, right? And that people kept marrying her. It's more likely that people were trying to rescue her from her situation as a woman or taking her there for under their wing. And I think a lot of times we look at this story, Rachel, and we think Jesus is wagging his finger at her and shaming her for her lifestyle. And I think in Dead, when Jesus says to her, go and call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, oh, I know. You've had five. And the man you're living with is not your husband. I think what she would have heard, and I could be wrong. I think she would have heard, I know what you've done to survive. I know all of it. Because later in the passage, John says this about her. She, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's going to tell me everything. He's going to help me understand, you know, like why my life's been hard, why the temple's in the wrong place. And um, I think she's a really um, important character for us to study because what we know for sure, she would have been overlooked in her society and marginalized, whether it's from her own actions or from things outside of her control. Irregardless, Jesus entrusts her with some mega, mega truth, and she's trustworthy with that message and delivers it to other people. I am so glad that you brought that point up because even as we were talking and I, you know, was telling you that I had never heard that side, I started to get convicted by the Holy Spirit of why do you even care if it was her fault or not? The the takeaway message is Jesus met her, you know, like, and of course it's fun to study scripture and like you said, figure out what was it and what wasn't, but I just, just was really getting convicted of who who cares if it was her choice? Like if she was being adulterous or if she was, you know, forced in that situation, um, the bottom line is Jesus, he met her. And not only did he meet her, she 
as you said, believed him. You know, I think we kind of skip right on by that kind of quickly sometimes that she believed him. And to your point, yeah, if I had met some man that could tell me how many kids I have and how long me and my husband had been married, I he'd get my attention, you know, like, huh, okay, we've never met before. And you just told me all (laughs) kinds of things about my life that would definitely get your attention. So I'm seriously loving this conversation because it's just so relevant because I don't know about you, but I meet women all the time that if they feel like they're in that in-between place due to their own fault or their own decision, they have a little bit harder time accepting grace and forgiveness there. Do you, have you experienced that as well? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think what's so beautiful about the story is Jesus shows her how to move past her past, right? How to find hope in her present and how to sit confidently into her future. And I think whether we have gotten in our in-between place because of some real bad decisions or unhealthy patterns in our lives and struggles, whatever it may be, or we're in an in-between place and heck, like we didn't have anything to do with it. You know, we are uh, passive participants in our circumstances, whatever it may be. And God helps her move past her past. He gives her hope for the present. He teaches her how to worship him when life is hard and when she's confused about her faith. And she moves confidently into her future, even though her life, you know, isn't fixed. In that moment, she goes with the gospel. She goes anyway, you know, probably before she was even ready. And I think all of us can take that away from her story. We can go, okay, if I'm in an in-between place, Jesus can help me move past my past. He's the one who's going to be the hope creator and hope dealer in the present. And then I can look to a bright future because Jesus used even her. So if he can use her, think about what he can do with us. Yeah. So at the beginning of the episode, you you briefly shared about that you were in an in-between place yourself uh, when you were in Israel. And what did that look like for you to move out of that and move forward and just some real life practical application? Yeah, it's going to sound so cheesy, but (laughs) it's just my story. Um, I think having conversations with Jesus about things he already knows about was kind of a new concept to me before studying the woman at the well story. I think I was struck, Rachel, by him asking her to tell him her story when he already knew. He knew she had been married five times. He knew she was living as a concubine. He knew she didn't know what living water was. He knew she didn't know what temple to worship in. He already knew this. And yet he gives so much word count to this conversation. It's the longest one. In the New Testament, like even that should resonate with us and go, wow, Jesus wants to have sit down, eye to eye conversations with us, even when he knows every detail of our story. He wants to hear it from our perspective. And what he does in that conversation, Rachel, is he says twice, what you have said is true. What you have said is true. But he's a really good listener. And I think that is how I came out of my in-between place. I had trusted friends. I had a licensed professional counselor. I had a spiritual director. I mean, I had people. And I was vulnerable enough to talk about it. But when I started talking to Jesus about how hard it was to lose my dad, and not just praying about it, I mean, actually saying, I am mad. I am sad. This is horrible. Why did this happen? You know, really talking to him. I found him to be a great listener. And I think I was, even on this moment, I'm getting emotional that he wants to hear from me even when he knows what I'm about to say. Um, Because I think 
in my very busy working mom life, when my kiddo or my husband or my mom are telling me things that I already know, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. I know. Look, we got to get our shoes on. We've got to get to school. We, you know, kind of moving, steering that ship. And I think Jesus does the opposite in this story. I think he sat down. I think he waited for her. I think he had a really long, hard conversation. I think he listened well. I think he affirmed her. I think he commissioned her. And I experienced that in my personal life, learning from her story. I teared up too when you said he's a great listener because that is so true. And people, so many of us just want to be heard. Um, But how amazing that we can be heard by the savior Mm -hmm. of our world. You may not have a good friend to talk to in the season or, and, you know, obviously, like you said, all those things, we, we need real life people too, but Jesus really is the best listener, the best counselor. And the fact yeah. that he wants to have that conversation with us, that's mm-hmm. mind blowing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. I'll ever wrap my brain around it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Try as I might, I, I, I don't know that I will. So I love how practical that is and how, yeah, just the the thing that you told, said too about him saying twice what you said is true. That's so good. Oh, I love when these conversations make us just think deep. All right, so what is, um, and we are getting close to the end of time. This conversation has been so rich. I'm like, oh my goodness, the time has flown by. So I've got to kind of figure out which things I want to finish off with you. Um, what would be a piece of advice that you'd give to someone who feels stuck right now? Yeah, I think um, being honest about your situation, it's totally okay to do that. And some of us just need the permission to say, "I yeah, I have been married five times and living as a concubine now, whatever that may look like in your own life. Or you could say, I'm a very self-reliant person who resists receiving help. Or I'm a very stubborn person who just really doesn't like apologize. I don't know what your thing is, you know, whatever our listener's thing is, but we all have something. And I think Jesus invites us to have a conversation with him and to be honest. And I think in those honest reflections, when he speaks back to us and says, I know what you've done to survive. I know you. That's why I'm here. Because I love you. I want to I want to change your life. I want to fill you with living water. I want to meet all of your needs. I think that's when we're more ready to receive it, Rachel. And I think when we are like hiding or pretending or avoiding our problems or in between plays, and we're like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. When really it's it's hurting our heart. I think when we're honest and say, this is my life right now, I think that's the first step. And then I think the second step is going before you're ready, like she did. You know, dropping whatever distraction you have, because the text says she dropped her water jug. And she went back to town. And I think that jug can be like symbolic for us. You know, what is our water jug? Is it self-reliance? Is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it confusion? Is it distraction? Is it despair, depression? Whatever your distraction may be, is it healthy things like super, super goals and ambition and overdoing and overworking, whatever it may be, I would just encourage people to drop it drop that water jug, like let it shatter, let all the water pour out. You don't need it. You've got the living water now. Like you have everything you need for life and for godliness. And so go with the gospel before you're ready like this woman did and share your broken testimony. You know, so that would be like step three, go ahead and share your faith with other people 
even if you think, oh my gosh, but my life is still kind of a mess. Well, so was her. She was such a mess. Yeah. I feel like you just gave a prophetic word to some listeners today. Drop your jug. Like I just, I just heard that phrase, drop your jug. And man, we can cling so tightly to those jugs. And I have both hands raised over here. Like, yep, uh, me too. Just like you said, the overworking and the things that sometimes can even disguise themselves as a good thing. We're clinging to it and it's not healthy. And Jesus wants to give us something that is so much better and freeing and not heavy and will just release us into what he has for us. All right. Well, that is a beautiful way to end. But before we go, I do want to make sure that the listeners know how to connect with you, where to get your book. So please tell us all of those things. Rachel, you're such an encouragement to me, such an inspiration. I'm just so excited about what the Lord's doing in your life. And I can't wait to support you in whatever you're doing. So thanks for having me. Yeah, people can find me at my website, catarmstrong.com. Go and check out my host guide. It's something you can download for free and you can find all sorts of resources there. And then I would say I live on Instagram. I love Instagram and I will reply to DMs as long as you are not weird. So if you want to talk, uh, message me there. Awesome. All right. And if As always, all of those links will be in today's show notes. Well, Kat, thank you again for taking time to come on, for speaking life over us. I know for me personally, I feel like filled with hope and just, I don't know, like expect it. I'm like, okay, something just released during this episode. And I'm really excited for people to listen to it because I was super encouraged. So thank you again for taking the time to come on. Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate you. Well, it's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. In today's episode, we discuss the in-between place where Jesus changes your story. This conversation challenged me to let Jesus into spaces that I have not yet let him into. Now, I want to chat with you just for a minute about why some people get stuck. One of the reasons that I see that people can get stuck is because we have a negative core belief in that area. A simple therapy tool that comes from cognitive behavioral therapy states this very simple principle that if you've ever been to therapy, you probably had a counselor work on this with you. It's this. Your thoughts affect your feelings and your feelings affect your behaviors or your actions. Now, that is such a simple, simple principle. But I cannot tell you the number of times I have helped people get unstuck by using this simple principle. Now, I could sit here today and I could give you a bunch of positive affirmations to replace those negative thoughts with. However, I believe it's more powerful when Jesus tells you what thoughts he knows to be true. So let's walk through a simple way to determine if your thoughts are even keeping you stuck. Like I said, this is one of the ways. And you can kind of use this principle in many areas of your life where you feel stuck. Here we go. So the first thing I want you to do, name the area where you feel stuck. Again, I think I tell you guys this every single time. I want you to start with one place. Understand the basic principle first, and then you can take it and apply it lots of places. I don't know about you, but I have many areas of my life that I have and do 
wrestle with the negative beliefs and negative thoughts. So name one area right now. Once you have that area, I want you to look at the thoughts that you meditate on regarding that area. Now, most of us don't say our thoughts out loud. And when we do, oftentimes they startle us. Or if we were to say it to a friend, you say a thought about yourself or about a belief in an area out loud, that friend would go, that's not true. And that friend would challenge your thoughts, right? But the problem is most of us don't say our thoughts out loud. So we're walking around all day, ruminating on, meditating on thoughts that are not true. So once you've, you have your area, you're looking at the thoughts. Now, you might, have, you might see that um, an area your thoughts are great on. And if that's the case, congratulations, keep up the good work. And I mean that in all sincerity. When you conquer being able to think positively about a certain area of your life, that is a huge milestone and you need to celebrate that. But if you find an area that you go, man, yeah, I just recurringly think negative thoughts in this area. And if you really were to write down all the thoughts that you think, let's just even take, you know, most of you listening here are women. Most women struggle with negative thoughts about their body. If we really were to write down all the negative thoughts we have all day long about our body, we would kind of start to see why we feel so badly about our body because you're going, wow, I really think a lot of negative things all day long. So now I want you to follow that trail from the negative thought. We, we now know what the negative thought is. And if you could name one negative thought, write it down. So if we were using this example of your body and you said something like, man, my thighs are so huge, write that thought down. I want us to attack that thought. Now I want you to see, we're going to follow this thought and see where, where it takes us. What feeling is, is associated with it? Because thoughts and feelings are, are connected and I want you to see. So if you had said that statement internally, man, my thighs are thunderific. <laughs> um, what feeling came with that? Did some shame creep in about if I just would exercise more, if I would just eat a little better? Oh, my husband, man, he, he must not um, want to see me naked for how I look, right? So th- these thoughts can just go, they're like a forest fire. They just kind of set on fire and they can take you in a really toxic, bad direction. But I want you to identify what feelings are associated with that thought. And then next, what behaviors result in that thought? So remember, we started with the toxic thought, and then the feeling that came with it was maybe some shame, maybe some, you know, embarrassment, maybe anger, frustration, um, all these things, right? Feelings are not bad. They just signal to us what's really happening internally with our thoughts in, in our soul. Now, the action, though, that comes, again, actions are associated with feelings. If we don't feel well about ourselves or we are really just feeling down in a certain area, it doesn't seem to be much of a surprise that we wouldn't be very motivated in that area, right? Like if we believe this thought and this and we feel real bad, it it may not even be physical. Let's take this another direction. Maybe uh, you wrestle with thoughts of feeling dumb or feeling like you've done too much and you, you could never move past it. Whatever the thing is, it's going to affect your feelings and then your behaviors. That's the takeaway point I want you to know today. So now let me install some hope in you though, because we brought all this negative into the light. Now let's replace that negative belief with truth from God's word. So go back to that original thought and challenge it. Find some truth in God's word and replace it with his truth. Once you've replaced it, I want you to follow that trail. 
What feelings come up when you think about the truth from God's word? And then what actions do you take when you meditate on the truth of God's word? Remember how Kat encouraged us, have those conversations with Jesus. He wants to listen and he wants to counsel us. Jesus will help you with this process. That's one of my favorite things to do is let him come in and highlight what kind of thoughts I've been thinking and how that's affecting how I feel and then the actions I put into place. So welcome him into this process. And hey, before I get off here, I wanted to give a disclaimer. Yes, I am a therapist in training, but no, I am not your therapist. So if anything came up in this little segment or any of the segments that we do together, you need to go see your own counselor. There is power in sitting across from somebody who is a you know professional in this area, but then also who just will walk alongside you help you wrestle out some of these things that are coming up and would be a safe place for you to get these thoughts out. I personally believe that's one of the one of the powerful things about counseling. There's many things. One of them is just having a safe place. You can say some of these thoughts that you might be wouldn't want to say to somebody else, but you need help walking them out and wrestling them out. That's what a counselor is there for. So please go find somebody. I also encourage, I am an EMDR therapist and which is great for trauma. So again, if you have trauma, absolutely you're gonna be stuck and that's much deeper than what we just walked through here today. So I wanna encourage you that's uh, EMDR and look that up, look into it. In fact, I think in future episodes, I can't promise you when, but I will get them out. I'm going to bring on one of my supervisors who's an EMDR therapist as well. And we're going to talk about that because I get a lot of questions about people asking me about that. And I think it deserves an entire episode. So be sure you kind of stick around and, and listen in on that conversation for sure. Okay, well, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. If you love today's episode... Would you consider sharing it with a friend? And as always, be sure to leave a review if you have not done so already. Those really bless me and it helps other listeners find the show as well. Well, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing those God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Rachel.